Welcome to the In The Clouds podcast. In The Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing-focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed, and podcast hosts Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how-tos, and real-life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. Podcast. I'm Bobby Tishy along with Cole Fisher and Nick Berggraf. Today we're going to jump into Google Analytics 360 and the integration with Salesforce Marketing Cloud, um, what it is, what it does, and how you can build it. It's a really simple integration if you've got everything that you need. Uh, and luckily we've got our resident Google Analytics 360 expert, Nick Berggraf, with us here today. Um, to say that uh, Cole and I are not experts would be an understatement. So, Nick, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Since you're now taking over this podcast from our last episode, I guess we should have let you do the intro. So, why don't actually why don't you just do another intro right now? That's great. Uh, so, yeah, Nick Burgraff here to, to the Google Analytics connector to Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Super excited about that. It's been a uh, general release for a number of months now, but it really hasn't been uh, you know, widely adopted quite yet because I think that there's an era of uh, misunderstanding about the use of it and how, how useful it can be for you know, the digital marketer, as well as really coordinating that effort with you know, your SEO specialist who's in uh, GA all day. So Nick, um, is part of that, that, that sort of slow adoption at this point, is part of that kind of the um, early adopter curve? I mean, from what I hear in my, in my limited expanse of knowledge uh, of GA360 and Salesforce Marketing Cloud Integration, um, what I understand is that it's the only um, productized integration that Google Analytics 360 offers. Um, so like no platform has done this yet. No other products are... Um, using a native integration, and it's it's kind of the the first of its kind, right? Yep, you're absolutely right about that, Cole. I, I think the interesting thing to point out here is that you have two giant companies, Google and Salesforce, and it's kind of an industry signal that uh, these two are now collaborating on on really data. So you, you have Salesforce, which is you know everybody knows the environment there as far as the CRM and marketing and go down the list of all their different clouds. And then you have Google, which is um, an ever expansive, you know, data engine, as well as uh, they're starting to do their own marketing cloud stuff. They're starting to do all kinds of different, different uh, dipping their toes in different technologies. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's Google. So I think that this is a, a big indicator that that relationship will continue to grow because there's a market need for it. To your point, being the only productized, um, integration this should be a big win for anybody that's on you know salesforce marketing cloud because you don't have any other options out there right now yeah i think uh it's it's funny that i mean it's salesforce and google i think to call them call these two companies innovative would almost be an understatement 
Um, so despite, like, we'll get into some of the how and why of what's available and some of the use cases and things like that, which are already really exciting. Um, but it's kind of mind boggling to think of what could be uh, as well in the future with the, the way these two types of companies uh, tend to grow and kind of radicalize new product ideation and integration capabilities. Yeah. And to make a comment on that too, is as far as like our last podcast was about release notes. So I think that, again, this is one of those Salesforce forward-looking statement type things, but I think we can only see uh, increased amounts of integration between GA and, and Salesforce. Absolutely. So, Nick, hypothetically, if I'm looking to uh, integrate GA360 and Salesforce Marketing Cloud, what, pray tell, would be my prerequisites? Yeah, so uh, back to your point about um, early adoption and, and kind of the, the slowness to that is that everybody's on GA. If you're, if you're in the e-com space, you have GA. Now, what you don't necessarily have is, is GA360. So Google Analytics 360 is like, you know, the, the above and beyond. Um, it, it covers a lot more audience, audiences, a lot more touch points. Um, there's a lot of different product offering that, that is increased with GA360. But that comes at a you know a price of I think the the list price is 150k. So not only do you have to have the the integration from Salesforce, but you also have to have an actual GA360 account. So there's kind of two line items on your budget now, and that's probably a piece that plays into that that slow adoption. And uh, as a side note. Um... GA360 can actually be purchased through Salesforce. So if you're a Salesforce Marketing Cloud customer, um, but you don't actually have GA360 at the moment, that can actually be purchased. And I, I, I think, actually, I may be stepping over the line here, I think they actually have a uh, reseller sort of um, deal uh, through Salesforce as well. Yeah, I'm sure they do. They thought of everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the only that came front. Oh, go ahead, Nick. Sorry. Well, I, I was going to say those, those are the only two real prerequisites as far as um, actually having something purchased in your hands so that you can actually do something with it. I think the other prerequisite is is the people question as far as you, you got to have somebody that knows GA or that knows GA360. Typically, they'll, you know, that skill set is transferable. It's just having more more options to do more stuff in GA360, as well as having that marketing that marketing person, that digital marketer that can take what's in GA and translate it into through the integration into into your marketing cloud. And as people kind of look at doing this for the first time, or they start to evaluate if this is going to be uh, a good integration, because I think that there's kind of another component to this too, is not only do you need the licensing on the GA360 side, as well as the marketing cloud licensing of Journey Builder, but you also actually have to buy a connector license, um, which is relatively low cost um, considering the licensing between the two. But as someone's evaluating this, what are kind of the main use cases or features that people usually get out of GA360 and the integration to marketing cloud? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of use cases, right? So within GA, and if we take this a little step backwards, within GA, what you, you have the ability to do is create audiences. And this is really just based on, you know, a mixture of tagging and cooking within GA. So if I have, just for example, any page on my site, um, 
I can look to collect people and, and push them into an audience based on certain behaviors, right? So uh, the typical ones we think about is like browse abandonment, cart abandonment. We'll address those a little bit later. But any other kind of interaction as far as where they're at in the funnel, what they're doing, high value customers or users on your, on your sites or your platform, um, really you can segment these people within GA in any kind of way you want to. So this is where that SEO specialist really comes in to hyperdrive your audience creation and then pushing those into, into your marketing platform, which is you know, Salesforce Marketing Cloud to be able to put them down a journey based on that specific behavior. And that's kind of the cool part about it. And as we kind of think about the savings, I kind of think about it as of like data integration, that sort of thing. I think that's one big element too, where not to be understated that if we, if we're trying to get, you know, e-com or data warehouse data into marketing cloud, let's say it's a net new implementation or something along those lines, this would be kind of a, a surefire way to do that pretty quickly to get access to those audiences pretty quickly. Um, granted that that raw data isn't coming over, but we'll at least be able to build the audiences for them to show the quick win ROI and things along those, those lines. Um, but also there's no tech resource requirements to, to build this integration. Um, it's pretty straightforward, which we'll get into here in just a minute. So specifically within, so you kind of talked about the SEO specialists are building out their audience in GA. And once that audience is created, um, what happens from there? How is it helpful to the marketer and marketing cloud? Where can we use it? Yeah, so once that audience is built, it can be published through that uh, you know, productized integration. So again, once that's set up, which to your point, Bobby, it's, it's pretty much plug and play. We'll cover that, but as far as having that connection there, what will then happen is that marketer will go into Journey Builder and, and create a new journey with a, an entry source from the GA360. There's a new icon if you have that enabled in your account that you can go and select any one of those audiences based on their description and their, their key within, uh, within Journey Builder, that entry piece. And then you can build out that entire journey. So however that looks for that specific audience, you can build that journey out to uh, put that audience through that journey. Nice. And then as that audience is going through the journey, what are the nice elements or the features that folks can utilize? I think specifically within the last release, there was even a, a nice update. Yeah, they, they had a few updates. Which one are you, uh, you going to call out here? I was thinking mostly on the reporting side. So being able to actually oh, yeah. see the commerce data from GA in the journey. Yep. So this one thing we haven't met, mentioned yet is not only is it, it the entry of an audience from GA into Journey Builder, but there's a dashboard associated to GA specific audiences. So if you think about Journey Builder, they have the Journey dashboard, so you can see you know open rates at a high level, uh, your goal, your goal attainment or completion uh, metrics. You can see all those metrics, but GA also pushes over um, a lot of different data available to customize as far as how you want to see these dashboards and how you want those to look. So from a high level for your leadership teams or for your you know, digital marketing managers, it's a great way to accumulate that data in one spot so you don't have to 
um, you know, just say, hey, here's our open rates and here's our audience and looking at two disparate systems. Um, a couple examples of those are, you know, just basic, the basic, so you have your marketing cloud goals and, and open rates, but you have your Google Analytics goals. You have your email performance, which is, you know, native to what you've already seen within Journey Builder. You have your uh, analytics usage. You have your analytics content tab. So you can really get more granular and you can move the, these elements on the dashboard all around. So how, how you guys want to see it from a marketing perspective. And then once we actually kind of think about the setup for this, we mentioned a little bit earlier how, how easy it is to set up, but would love to go have you go through the actual, not full end-to-end, but how you actually set up the integration within Marketing Cloud. So, Bobby, as far as setting up the actual connector, it's, it's twofold. So, if you have your single sign-on that you use from GA within Marketing Cloud. So, once that uh, productized integration is set up, as far as licensing perspective, you jump in there and, and sign in. And so there's a connection point that happens on the, uh, the marketing cloud side. And then you actually go into GA and verify that. So there's kind of that dual verification piece, which is, you know, beneficial. Um, so verify that connection point within GA as far as a, a data integrator. So you'll see an actual icon or you can search for it within the data integrations uh, within GA. You can just select uh, Salesforce marketing cloud. And then at that point, those systems are connected. Now there's a caveat there or the asterisk that I want to point out is that, um, you know, some, some marketers might think, okay, great. Now these systems are fully in sync. My audience here is in my audience here. That's not necessarily true um, quite yet. So part of that um, setup process is GA and Salesforce marketing cloud now, now start talking to each other. So within the parameters that you set within your, your marketing cloud, Google Analytics starts to match those people over the course of sending history. So what you're looking at is you're not going to have a, uh, you're going to actually have a 0% hit rate when you first set this up. And that number is quickly going to skyrocket as you continue to do your normal sending. Um, if you're already an existing marketing cloud. Uh, otherwise, if you're new to marketing cloud and you're starting to kind of do the IP warming ramp up, that number will continue. That match rate will continue continue to grow. So it's yeah. it's not like implementing a new JavaScript where you're you're look, you're using uh, looking for cookieing of users to a site, but you you need them to hand raise and self identify, and that's you know typically when you you know put a you know implement a new JavaScript on a site, like that's the really long hurdle where you want to wait 30, 60, 90 days of, uh, of time to like collect actual profile recognition where the big hurdle is that recognizing where GA already recognizes these. So it's, it's once these two systems, Marketing Cloud and GA360 are in communication, now it's just a matter of getting traffic to the site, right? So once those hits occur, it's not about, having to, you know, re-recognize profiles, right? So it's a much quicker. Uh, yep, exactly, cool. That's, that's a good way to put it as far as you have your marketing cloud subscriber ID, and then you have your Google, ID, uh, Google Analytics ID ascribed to those specific users or those contacts, however you want to define that. And over the course of that, that time period, again, 
there's a little bit of a nebulous time period there, but um, those will get connected through that native integration and we'll start pairing those people together. Well, thanks a ton, Nick, for taking us through that and being our resident GA360 integration expert. Anything else you can think of that would be helpful? Uh, I mean, there's, there's still a lot that goes into this. Um, again, it's a pretty simple connector and, it, and there's a, uh, just a lot of use cases that a marketer can start to leverage. I think that the, the, the one thing I'd add or the one thing I'd reinforce really is, um, is it's twofold. It's one, it's having a greater connection to, you know, the analytics team, that SEO specialist for a marketer. Um, which inherently has its its work to, to start to kind of sync with that team. But the benefit of syncing with that team is that you're just so much more uh, in line with what's actually happening as far as from a traffic standpoint, from what's happening on your site. And you're not just, you know, sh shooting in the dark as a marketer as much anymore because you're really investing into a relationship with SEO. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about this is um, – you know, right now, and we talked about how it's Google and it's Salesforce and, you know, the potential for two, you know, crazy innovative companies like that, um, you know, down the road is, is really quite fascinating. But I think for right now, even, you know, the, the use cases that we've discussed, you know, like uh, cart and browse and, you know, product or form abandonment, um, you know, post purchases, ratings, reviews, things like that. I think just even the the most basic use cases right now that are that they're starting with are the ones that are really heavy needle pushers. I mean, it, this really moves the needle in, in a big direction for a lot of companies. Um, so this is kind of that low hanging fruit that makes a big impact across the board. Uh, it's no telling what it'll be in the future, too, though. Well, said, moving well, on to the most important part of the podcast, completely unrelated. I feel like we should have like some kind of intro music or something for completely unrelated. What is that tune? That's from something. What was, where did you snake that? It's, oh gosh, what is it? Oh man. Is it, I think it was the NBA on NBC. Back in the 90s. That's it. Nice. <laughs> oh man marv albert reggie miller oh those were good times miller time uh <laughs> so i'm going on vacation this week uh which it's it's my favorite vacation of the year we go on a, a annual trip to florida with um my wife's sister and her husband and their three kids and we really just don't do anything the whole week we just hang out at the beach and we rent, may rent a boat for a day or whatever so i was thinking like that's so that's my like what i look forward to almost all year cole what's your favorite vacation either that you've taken or that's like recurring or like what's your favorite like off time thing to do you know i i love a good vacation but i have a hard time like taking real chunks of time out just because i get terrible fomo uh, but when I do, vacation, <laughs> I kind of vacation in the same manner that I do like my everyday life. Like I, I don't, I, I don't really sit back and relax and not do anything. Like I want to, you know, pack it full of like 
something fun to do here. And then, you know, here's a day of like being on the beach and this day will be, you know, I, I, I want to make sure I'm doing everything. Cause again, that FOMO is like, I don't know. It's just like genetically dialed into me. I can't really do anything about it. Um, but I would say, you know, I, I love a good, um, ski trip or a mountain bike trip, but usually those are like two or three days and they just physically exhaust you or you need a vacation from the vacation. Um, but my, favorite place low key to go is actually also in Florida is Anna Maria Island. Um, my aunt and uncle have a place, uh, down there on the beach and it's just it's gorgeous overlooks the ocean. You can't, I mean, there's just tons of little like seafood joints around and it's kind of a golf cart only Island. Uh, mostly golf. Oh, those are the best. It's just fantastic. It's kind of like you step back in time by like 40 years um just you know some of the decor and the styles and, and homes and stuff like that it's just it's just super nice and relaxing so you almost you, you almost can't help but unwind there we actually drive like almost like right by there because we fly into tampa and then we go down to siesta key which is in sarasota so it's oh, actually yeah. like that's that's really close to where we stay I would highly recommend plotting a day and just going and perusing the island. Oh, yeah, it's oh. less than an hour. Oh, man, we might have to do that. Uh, that doesn't really match up with your uh, vacation schedule there, Bobby, of not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Well, it's funny. There is one thing that um, – so, like, uh, there's uh, this fruit farm that's, uh, I think, like 45 minutes away from where we stay. Um I don't really know why they call it a fruit. I, I guess because there's fruit that grows there, but I don't. I don't think I've ever seen it. But they like they'll take you on this whole tour, and they've got these like they also have like an exotic animal rescue. Ooh. Like last time we went there, there was a couple alligators or crocodiles, whichever. I'm sure someone's going to correct me. Uh, <laughs> whatever's indigenous to the area, alligators. Um, and yeah, there you go. Um, uh, and then they've got. Uh, what else did they have the last time? Oh, they had some like skunks there and just kind of like random stuff. But the best thing about this place, the only reason that we, we went one time and we normally wouldn't go, they would go off on their own. Uh, my uh, sister-in-law and her husband, the three kids, but we went once. They have this incredible orange flavored ice cream. So like last year, Joni and I, like we didn't go on the tour or anything. We just hung out in the gift shop <laughs> and we ate ice cream the entire time we were there. <laughs> adventurous <laughs> Nick, what about yeah. you? uh okay so i'm as, as you guys know from the last episode i'm from minnesota um and obviously we crossed the border over to the wisconsin dells water parks no that's a joke um and i probably offended part of the country but uh the wife is going to get mad at me for saying this uh because it was an accident We've been to Hawaii twice together. So the first time was for our honeymoon a couple years ago. And then we had a one-year anniversary. Uh, at the time, we were like, we were pregnant. So it was like, well, this is our last time to do it before we have a baby. So we went again. And now it's becoming this like, oh, well, when are we going to Hawaii next? Which it's super expensive to go. But it's, I got to tell you, the big island Hawaii is the place to go. You always hear about like Maui and Honolulu and, and Kauai. Uh, the big Island is, is really cool because it has like seven of the 11 different climate zones. Um, so you can go like up the mountain and, and get some snow. You can go down South and get some arid, like deserty type stuff. 
but the snorkeling is, is really where it's at. Very cool. I've never gone snorkeling or been to Hawaii, but everyone tells me it's wonderful. What do you do on vacation? My goodness. <laughs> I know. I know. See, you have, like, so I just recently, last year or last week, I heard this. I, I wanted to ask you, have you heard the phrase Jomo? Jolo? No, Jomo. Jomo. So it's the joy of missing out instead of the fear <laughs> of missing out. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought on some show we were watching and I was like boy that sounds like something that Cole would say but would never be a fan of <laughs> <laughs> no, Jomo is definitely more, more your style of vacation then <laughs> uh, definitely well thanks again Nick for coming on and being our GA360 expert, really appreciate it. And just a reminder to everybody, if you have any questions or thoughts, you can email us at in the clouds at lovedigital.com and we'll see you next time.